Episode 12 of the Paul George Show welcomes Rob Monapair. That's hard when you're kind of doing it by yourself. Like, community is such a big thing. It's such an important thing. And you don't realize how big of an important thing it is until it's not there. So as much as I was surrounded by all these people that made me laugh and we had a great time together, I was also kind of really alone because they didn't share those same values. The Paul George Show. Welcome to The Paul George Show, talking shared values, finding purpose, and George the Giraffe. Co-production of Christ Our King Radio and Breadbox Media. Here's your host, Paul George. Welcome to the show. Great to be with you today in studio with my main man, Casey Trahan. Casey, how you doing today, man? <laughs> I'm very good, Paul. How are you, sir? What is this? I'm Y'all know little, what this is? <laughs> I'm a little confused. <laughs> That's hail to the chief, man. Hail to the chief. Like you're the chief of the of the show, or what? No, man. We have a, a new president ready to lead us into victory, or whatever. <laughs> oh, so uh, so you're you're playing this song on on the new presidential election behalf or your behalf? Both. 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 No, I just thought it was, I thought it was funny. So, Paul, if you could be the president of the United States. They, they always have this thing to like, this is what I'm going to do in my first 100 days. What would you do as president in your first 100 days? First 100 days? Yeah, it's always like, I'm coming out the gate doing this. It's a, it's back from FDR. So like your first 100 days as president of the United States, Paul George. Well, I, well the first like thing I would do is I'd want to get on Air Force One and fly somewhere. <laughs> now, I know it's American dollars and taxpayer dollars, but my dream is to fly on Air Force One. All right, so let's just... I would love that. I would love to just walk on that plane and be like, take me <laughs> around the world. Let's, let's go to Barcelona right now. Anywhere. You know? Let's go visit Putin. Let's go to Indiana. I, I mean, don't, we don't have know? to go crazy. So anyway, that would be the first fun thing that I would do. And I'm sure over time the president gets really tired of boarding that plane, uh, although it looks really comfortable. Uh, it's not like a small plane of his own. It's like a jumbo jet of his own, right? But I think the first serious thing I, I would do would uh, would reverse try to reverse uh, Roe versus Wade. That would be my first sort of initiative. I don't know how long it would take. I, I need to learn more. Or a any bit. idea how to do that. Or but. any idea. Okay, so here's the thing: is that uh, here's what I realize in our modern day and age with everything is that everybody's an expert. I mean, everybody on social media, all over, are all experts with everything, and I'm like. What I mean, is everyone an expert? No. I mean, even people I know who I know aren't experts are acting like experts. Right. I read a civics article two years ago on Facebook, and now I am the man. Right. Yeah. I'm I, one of those people. I pretend to be an expert on TV. I know. But fall... Dude, you sound horrible, by the way. Sorry. The fall weather's got me. Speaking of fall weather, you sound horrible. You got hit by a cold front, and it just smacked you right in the face. Seriously. If you get me sick in this studio, I swear. I was trying to play it off, Paul. I was going to go through this whole show like nothing happened, but you had to bring it up. Thanks, man. Okay, so have you seen this? Speaking of fall, things in the fall just crack me up. So they have this pumpkin festival where um, these, all these tons of people get together, and they launch pumpkins out of cannons all right which sounds to fun where to across a field okay okay but some of these pumpkins are huge 
So this woman got uh, severely injured. She's okay now, so I can make fun of it. Uh, and in the hospital, so they launched a pumpkin out of a cannon. And a piece of the pumpkin, a piece of the pumpkin, the size of a car door, knocked her over and knocked her out. Yeah. So this is what people are doing in the fall. Can you imagine being there and shooting a pumpkin? I think the pumpkin was like half the size of a car type thing. How now, pumpkins get that big? Apparently. Apparently. Video yeah. or it didn't happen. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, I want to see this a bit. Anyway, that was cracking me up. I was like, why do, why do people even do this? But anyway, uh, if, if you live on this planet, uh, you know this, that the Cubs won the World Series. Right. All right, so you, you uh, have been laying under a rock, if you don't know this, mm. even if you're not a sports fan, which, by the way, I found out there were people who were all of a sudden sports fans when this World Series was happening, you know. So right. they were experts in sports all of a sudden. Been watching the Cubs for 30-plus years. 108 years, the curse, they've been watching the Cubs. So anyway, but here's some things that really cracked me up about uh, the World Series and the Cubs. And I know there's a lot of really solid Cubs fans, and I have some friends that are. Uh, but do you see this article? There's one guy postponed his open-heart surgery till after the World Series. Ha. Nice. <laughs> Priorities, man. Yeah. So if you had to have open heart surgery, what would be the one thing that would make you postpone and be like, okay, I have to I have to do this before? Oh, man. Just in I, case I die during open so heart I'm, surgery. I'm going to a concert next week in Austin. Okay. Right? That concert, I would postpone an open heart surgery for. Like, there's nothing you can do. To keep me here and not go to that concert. By the way, we're not doing the show next week. No, I'm just kidding. Um, it, it's Switchfoot and Reliant K. Okay. My, my two favorite bands ever. And they toured together several years ago when I was in high school. And uh, I was playing football at the time. And I went to practice instead of this concert. If I could go back, do it all over again. Well, look. Deuces. You, you do get to go back. But it's my second chance, and there's nothing that's going to keep me from it. So <clears throat> That's amazing, chance. man. It just showed me exactly how shallow you are. I, I was thinking... <laughs> Something with my family or maybe birth like of a child. Birth of a child or your, <laughs> your, your kid's wedding, you know, one day. Sorry, Philip. Sorry, <laughs> I gotta, guys. I got to go to this concert. Dad's going to postpone his open heart surgery to go to Switchfoot concert in Austin. Which is not bad. I mean, I'm sure it's going to be a great show, by the way. Um, but but then again, uh, here's I, I would postpone it, um, my open heart surgery, probably never. <laughs> Only for like a wedding or a birth of a child. But like a World Series? No. Uh, so this one guy listened to the World Series. I was reading this article. He listened to the World Series at his father's grave. He had made a promise. Kind of sweet. To his dad. Yeah, it kind of tugged on my, my heartstrings. You know, they so, did it, Pop. I could, I could see that movie. Yeah, they're gonna make a movie about that. Well, they're definitely gonna make a movie, probably about this whole World Series. You know, so it, even if you're not a, a baseball fan or even a sports fan, people were into this. And here's what I love about sports: you played sports in high school. Uh, you know, I'm a sports fan. I love it. Is that it? For sports for a moment or a while kind of get you away from from things. And so even in the midst of all the election stuff and all that is like, let's, can we just get back to football? Uh, get back to some fun, you know? Even if you don't like live that. in that world. I know people that like ESPN 24-7. I mean, that's all they do. 
you're kind of like that. But even if you don't live in that world, I, I went visit my dad a couple weeks ago, and I haven't watched football all year, Paul. But that day we were watching college football, and like that day I was an expert. <laughs> yeah, you were all of a sudden an expert. Yeah, you're on social media. But here, here's a. Have you seen this story? And this is really great. Uh, and this is going to tie in a little bit to our guest we have later, Rob Monapier, who I'm really excited to talk to today. Um, so, so here's a really cool story. Uh, there's a soccer player who played for Manchester United. United. Okay. United. So professional soccer player. So for those of you who don't follow soccer worldwide and aren't experts like myself, which I, <laughs> I don't follow soccer a whole lot, uh, but a little. Um, so it would be like um, what are the most famous NFL teams, big teams, New England Patriots, you know. I think a better analogy would be like the Yankees. Yankees, exactly, yeah. for baseball. Uh, you know, whatever, you know, uh, big market team, a mm -hmm. huge market team. Lakers. Lakers. Uh, so this guy plays, played for Manchester United soccer. It's professional soccer. These guys make a ton of money. And I know a lot of times we think of soccer here. We think, oh, those guys don't make money or those girls. This, it's big. It's big time professional sports because it's worldwide. So this guy um, leaves professional soccer and is becoming a Dominican priest no way yeah yeah and he played for manchester united played for manchester united he's a footballer <laughs> how you like that and uh he's becoming a dominican priest man like so so here's a guy like out in the sports world out in the world and here's god's call in the midst of that and responds and is joining the dominican friars wow yeah that's cool yeah um so anyway um it's a really cool story. I, his name is Phil. Um, I, I can't even pronounce his, his last name because it's like Irish or something. Uh, it says he's a United footballer uh, who played with David Beckham and, and all those big guys uh, all over the world. And uh, he's becoming a, a Catholic Dominican priest. I love hearing stories like this because it reminds me that in the midst of this world, in the midst of all the chaos, that God's still moving and is active. And we really see that not in buildings or in things that happen, um, you know, whatever, but it's in people responding to God's mm -hmm. revelation, God's move in their life. And this fires me up uh, when people respond to God's call and make a radical leap. Now, I'm not saying that, that if you're listening, like you have to join the friars or, or do something crazy. But, but, but maybe. It, but maybe, right? <laughs> uh, or just responding to love someone today, responding to... Uh, to be Christ in the world today, responding to do something generous today. And as I was reading this article, it was really uh, firing me up because it challenged me to say, what am I willing to do for God today? Like, what am I willing to, wh what kind of steps and leaps am I willing to take in my life? Like, this guy's leaving a career and a lot of money, and uh, he's doing something radical with his life, and he understands that the choice that he's making to do that is going gonna, is gonna to bring souls to heaven. And that, to me... Uh, is really, really, really cool. So, nice. Anyway, we went from pumpkins to uh, Manchester United all in one segment. Anyway, I'm excited about our next segment. Our guest today, uh, super guy. You got to listen in, stick around, have a great conversation. It's a Paul George show. We'll be right back.
Welcome to the Paul George Show on Christ Our King Radio and Redbox Media. We welcome our guest, Rob Monapare. Here's your host, Paul George. Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you. Paul George in studio with Casey Trahan. And as expected, I have a wonderful guest today. Good friend of mine from Atlanta, Georgia, Mr. Rob Monapare. Rob, what's going on, man? Hey, Paul. Thanks for having me on today, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for taking the time. Um, so, man, you have an interesting story uh, and I want to get into so much of it, so we may have to have you back on the show another time. But uh, you've done everything from being a professional mascot to a professional hockey uh, referee to professional minister in the church. Like, seriously, how many hats do you wear? Uh, well, a lot, actually. And uh, I have a big head, so I have to get really big hats. But, uh, yeah, it's kind of <laughs> interesting looking back how God has kind of taken me through this journey of, Breaking up hockey fights to uh, wearing a really big rug suit to now working full-time in the church. It's, it's kind of a neat ride. It's amazing when you say yes to God, what kind of happens that pursues after that. Man, absolutely. So Rob Monapare at Rob Monapare on Twitter, or you can find website firstcircus.com. So, so is being a hockey referee sort of like a bouncer on ice skates? <laughs> well, actually, the job I had was a linesman. So there's referees and there's linesmen, and uh, linesmen are the bigger guys that break up the fights and conduct face-offs and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, it's it's a it's a peacemaker between both teams and making sure that everyone gets along and keeping eyes uh, in the back of the head of the referee to make sure nothing happens behind his back. So it's it's kind of a bouncer without the bar. I like it. So anyway, you grew up Catholic and. Um... So how did you how did you get into this sort of hockey, professional hockey and professional mascotting in in, in this world? Like, how did this happen? Uh, yeah, I'm originally from upstate New York, and uh, I grew up ice skating, playing hockey. Started when I was two, and uh, when we moved to I'm I'm living in Atlanta now, and we moved to Atlanta. Hockey rinks were few and far between, so I started refereeing to make money. And uh, I started when I was really young, and it was something that I just became in, in love with. Um, and um, graduated high school, and uh, and got actually involved in the professional ranks of officiating, which is a little bit different than a player. So if you get a professional contract, that's kind of considered winning uh, as far as pursuing that goal. And so I was uh, refereeing in a, in a double A professional league for about eight seasons. And just before that started, I was working as an intern for a hockey team in Atlanta that was um, in a different league than what I was officiating in. And I was their mascot. They threw the costume at me because probably they didn't want to pay anybody to do it. So uh, it all kind of blossomed from there. And uh, one weekend I was doing a mascot appearance with one of our uh, players on the team. And uh, during that week I got a phone call from the league of the hockey team that I work in saying, We've scouted you, and we're going to offer you a contract. And so that following Saturday, I was on the ice breaking up the fight of that same guy that I was with the weekend before uh, in a mascot costume marketing the hockey team. That's hysterical. So you obviously, like, I have a great face for radio. You obviously have a great face for mascotting. Thank you very much. (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate that. It's so crazy how God works, man. So, like, you're, you're just doing what you love. And, and then all of a sudden you're, you're professional hockey. So all through college, you're, you're refereeing professional hockey games. Now you've been all over, um, you know, doing this stuff to leagues all over the country. Cause you and I have talked about it. Um, 
we we have a a minor leagues uh, hockey team where I live in South Louisiana called the Ice Gators. What's the best minor league team name you've ever heard besides that one? That's a pretty good one, man. Um, in Macon, Georgia, they had a team here for a long time called the Macon Whoopie. And uh, there's a little connotation there, clearly, which is pretty funny. So I think that might have been the best one. But it's all about these teams. It's all about marketing and trying to find with a minor league team in any sport. They've got a facility that seats about 5,000 to 6,000 people. And so when you're in these towns across the country, if they can market something that's local and has a tie to the city that they're in or the county that they're in, People literally buy into that. So that's why you find a lot of these weird names, especially now in minor league baseball. A new team just came out the other day called the Shrimp in Jacksonville. So it's, it's kind of a trend. Uh, it's kind of a gimmick, but uh, it makes for cool logos and neat T-shirts. Absolutely. So, you know, you graduate high school. Um, you know, you, you, you went to mass, church. I, how hard was it for you or, or what, how difficult was it for you to live your faith through this whole transition through college, being professional hockey? Um, was that easy or was that difficult? You know, I'm a great example of, like, what happens when there's a wonderful youth ministry program at a church. Um, I, I found my faith through my high school youth ministry program that I was involved with at the church here in Atlanta, which, interestingly enough, is where I'm working full-time now. Um, but when I left high school, when I moved on and, and kind of lived this out in the real world, real world, so to speak, um, I kind of got involved with sport sports and, and doing this refereeing thing and traveling and on the road. And there's just a, a culture that's going on behind the scenes there that right. there's not other people that are living out the faith in the same values that you have. Right. It's really hard to keep that up. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I fell away from the church a little bit and then, um, God sent me a little gift in, um, a new person that I met in my life. Who's now my wife and kind of really got serious again with my faith through uh, meeting her. It's always a girl, man. I know, man. Tell me about it. It's always a girl that's like, "Hey, you need to, you need, you need to grow up, man." <laughs> She's right. Don't tell her that, though. Uh, yeah, well, maybe you can go home and tell her if she's right. You know, that would be the best thing you can do for your marriage today. So you never lost your faith. It just got really difficult. You found yourself in a scene. I, I mean, I, I, you know, I played sports in college, and and I fi- found myself many times struggling with the environment, you know, trying to live my faith, have my morals. It wasn't so much that lost at all or at any time. It just became, I, I guess you could say tiring, exhausting at times. And, and I would find myself uh, late at night in a church by myself in the silence and solitude of the Eucharist, just, just trying to find peace and consolation. Do you ever find yourself just kind of walking into some random church in some random city in a hockey league? Yeah, man. Um, it, it, I think I, I can uh, agree to what you exactly what you just said. Um, you know, the vernacular of language, the the lifestyle, um, the uh, the you know culture of of, of self and uh, and the way that people you know objectify bodies and stuff like that is very apparent in a lot of uh, what goes on in the sports world. And there's a lot of great people out there, and you've got to find them and attach to them if they share the same values that you do. And um, I would often be, you know, at mass by myself in a random city in some small town or, or wherever, or asking people, you know, where mass is or rerouting my travel schedule to find church or, 
you know, be able to get mass in for Sunday or Saturday night or whatever it may be. And, uh, and, and really, it, that's hard when you're kind of doing it by yourself. Like, community is such a big thing. It's such an important thing. And you don't realize how big of an important thing it is until it's not there. Right. And so as much as I was surrounded by all these people that made me laugh and we had a great time together, I was also kind of really alone because they didn't share those same values. And I have a little bit of that now with the mascot company that I have. We travel a lot on weekends, and I'm always in a different Catholic church when we travel. It's it's important. The guys know that I travel with that that has to happen on Sundays or Saturday afternoons. And and I invite them along and sometimes they come and sometimes they don't. So it's kind of turned into a little bit of an evangelization thing um, with the traveling that I do now. But, um, but for a long time when you're just starting out and you're trying to make your, your way in this world and, and utilize your faith, it's, it's a struggle, you know, but finding the right people to kind of journey with you is the most important part. Yeah. I mean, we can't go at it alone. None of us. It is absolutely essential. I find it so cool in your story. Like now you're, you're obviously, uh, you, you work in the church and your ministry, but you have this thing called first circus. Uh, and you can find it firstcircus.com. This is a legit mascotting company. You guys travel all over and do these shows at minor league baseball and, and hockey games. And in the midst of that, in the midst of running this company and this business, you make effort and intention to go to mass, find a church, and invite your, your buddies to go with you. I, I just find that fascinating. Yeah, about six years ago, seven years ago now, um, I was working, uh, working full-time for a baseball team in Kansas City, and um, kind of started this business idea, and I uh, was there for the team for a year. And when I moved back to Atlanta, I pursued this company, uh, First Circus, and it was just a way for us, for a couple of my friends that are in the business, to have a creative outlet where we didn't have to report to anybody. Um, oftentimes, when you do stuff in sports and the entertainment side, you come up with these really big, grandiose ideas, and then they get shot down by you know, your managers and things like that, because there's a lot of other stuff going on. So we created this business that um, essentially what we do is we provide entertainment for sports teams during intermissions and timeouts. And um, we actually have three entertainment acts that we market to baseball and hockey teams. And I think the neatest part of what we do, other than making people laugh and making people smile, is um, we do a lot of community relations stuff. So we do children's hospital visits and, you know, parades and um, news station stuff and nonprofit appearances and stuff like that. But um, it's really neat to be in a situation where you're in a, you know, like a children's hospital and uh, your whole purpose there is to just put smiles on people's faces. And as a person, just with nothing to do that with, that can be kind of difficult, but you wear this stuffed animal around your body that's huggable and lovable and it makes it kind of a neat thing to be a part of. It's <laughs> so amazing. I actually think I would make a good mascot. So I'm talking to Rob Monopier for circus.com. If you actually go to the website, it, the, the fur is like the, these big furry animals that are mascots and you guys dress as these and, 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 and entertain people. Um, but at the heart of it, you know, you're really doing a great service and, and ministry in the community uh, and it's fascinating. So anyway, um, you listen to Paul George show. We're going to come back and we're going to continue this conversation, uh, with Rob Monopair. We'll be right back.
Welcome to the Paul George Show on Christ Our King Radio and Breadbox Media. We welcome our guest, Rob Monapair. Here's your host, Paul George. Man, welcome back to the show. We're having a great conversation with Rob Monapair, FirstCircus.com, on Twitter at Rob Monapair. Uh, this is fascinating to me. <laughs> I'm looking at the website, First Circus. Um, anyway, uh, I really think that I would be a good mascot, bro. Uh, if if I could be any one of these these three characters, which one would you see me as? Oh, we got three. We have just four. We have a, a okay. ringmaster MC kind of person, and then we have a bear, a monkey, and an elephant. And uh, our bear buddy is about seven feet tall. And just from your manly stature, uh, I think you'd probably be best as Buddy. He's our goofy, lovable uh, bear that everyone loves, and uh, you have big shoes to fill. That's the one that I pretty much do uh every time we go out and work with our baseball teams and hockey teams but uh, he's got a he's got a 107 inch waist so you could eat a lot of food and still fit into that costume dang man so uh do these things talk or it's all acting and y'all have an mc going on uh, yeah it's um it, it's it's all uh non-verbal communication so there's no okay. talking um and then we have an mc that's uh dressed up as a ringmaster because it's a circus and uh the storyline is he has he thinks he has the best circus in the world, and these three animals just kind of mess everything up behind the scenes, and so um, they act out a lot of their emotions and their feelings and all that kind of stuff. I, I don't even need a costume to do that. Like that's my life. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's me at my yeah. house with with everything. Like I could just totally. I'm always like that guy, you know. So anyway. Uh, this is fascinating. So, so you're doing all this, Rob. You're, you know, professional hockey. You go through college. You're doing this first circus. Uh, and then at what point does God just sort of shift? Now, you're, you're still doing the first circus ministry and, and business, but you, your life shifted into going into full-time ministry work. H- how in the world did that, did, did that happen? Yeah, it's, you know, um, I like I said, I worked for a baseball team in Kansas City for a while, and we moved back to Atlanta, and I ended up getting into marketing with a company that worked specifically with the Catholic space, and I got involved with a program or a project called UCAT, which is a really big deal for the Catholic Church and young people and learning their faith. It was a I know a little you know, bit about youth- it. Yeah, right, exactly. And um, it was about, you know, people learning their faith in high school, and it was a really neat project that uh, some cardinals worked on, and uh, I got involved with that. And doing that, I got sent to all different kinds of youth conferences and, and did a lot of, like, marketing activations for these conferences that many of uh, Catholic youth go to, National Catholic Youth Conference and Steubenville Conferences and stuff like that. And That's where you and I kind of reconnected. Yeah, man, it is where we reconnected and uh, got to work together a little bit there and saw you at some of the speaking events and stuff. And um, I can pinpoint two really unique experiences that kind of opened my mind to uh, why I decided to pursue life in the church, if you will, um, working for the church. One, I was refereeing a hockey game, and um, it was late in the season, and I was kind of tired of traveling on the road. You travel by yourself a lot, and then you meet everybody you work with. And this thought went in my mind, like, all of this could go away today. All of this sports could go away today, and the world would still spin. Like, what are you doing with your life? Hmm. And um, and I thought, wow, like, I don't know where that came from, but it was in the middle of a hockey game, probably breaking up a hockey fight. <laughs> uh, but I was definitely on the ice, and that thought came into my mind. And in um, another time that this happened, and a very similar kind of concept, if you will, was, 
um, when I was working for, um, we were doing a, a plus, an event for First Circus. We were at a baseball uh, stadium doing a game. And I realized, like, the whole purpose of sports teams is to get people to engage in their brand, right? Buy the T-shirt, come into the stadium, hit the concession stands up, and, and be lifelong fans and engage, you know, for teams to engage their fan base. You know, like, we should be doing that as a church. Like, we should have these environments that people should just absolutely love to be engaged in. Mm. And, uh, you know, you think about a Saturday in, in the Southeast, particularly college football, like, all those people that are college football fans and, and the, the 80,000 people that fill these stadiums up, like, you know, in, in a lot of sense, like, that could all go away tomorrow and it wouldn't have an impact on our souls like it would be if we had a church that had the same excitement and approach to things. Amen, bro. Not Preach to, it. You're, like, preaching it right now. Away. <laughs> not taken away from the uh, the sacredness of what the, you know our faith has to offer in the beautiful traditions of the mass, but just the fact of like the work and um, creative you know juices that can be put into making church in a, a very uh, desirable environment and uh, in a place that people want to be at like that's what we should be doing. So there's these two really unique uh, kind of mind blowing things that happen in my mind. Um, thinking is a really hard thing for me to do anyway. So the fact that I could put these two thoughts together was a big deal. And so I kind of got involved in ministry and started working with high school youth and providing kind of like environments that they want to be involved in. And um, I ended up switching parishes to the church that I grew up in and working with a pastor that just was really passionate about making church something relevant in people's lives and going outside the walls of the parish and bringing people that don't have a faith home um, into our church and making our church their faith home. And uh, it's been kind of a neat, wild ride, and I wouldn't change it for anything. Amen, bro. So so it, it's amazing how God works. You're in the middle of a hockey rink, and all of a sudden you just have this thought, like, what am I doing with my life? What's my purpose? I, there's got to be more, right? And uh, I'm talking yep. to Rob Monapier, Atlanta, Georgia, FirstCircus.com, uh, at Rob Monapier. And I... Bro, I think anybody who's listening can relate to that thought because there's probably many of us at some point in our life at our desk or driving, whatever the case, laying in bed, have the thought of what am I doing with my life? What's my purpose? And, and I do think that that's one of God's ways of intervening in our life and saying there's more. There's more for us. Uh, we're called to live more. And, and certainly it doesn't mean that you have to go work at your local church, but it does mean that we do have a purpose for the greater kingdom of God. All of us do. And we're called to step into that. So, so you did that, and now you're working at a parish of over ten thousand people. Uh, so this is not like a, like a small little uh, little church. You guys are running a pretty big operation there. Yeah, you know, um, a lot of people say, well, you know, my youth group's got hundreds of kids in it, or we have thousands of people that go to our church. And, and to be really honest with you, um, we're in a geographical location in our archdiocese where it's the way the parish boundaries work that we just have a lot of people that come to our parish and so that just requires us to do a lot of different things and to do things well and um so it's not like you know us standing on a pedestal saying hey we have all these people at our church it's just the fact that there's a few things that kind of um produce that result of a lot of people in a parish geographically where we're located um in a spot in Atlanta where there's just not a lot of Catholic churches really close to each other. So, right, um, yeah, I work at uh, Prince of Peace Catholic Church in Flowery Branch, Georgia, which is um, in North Metro Atlanta. And, um, which I'm is a transitioning home of, out of, uh, oh, go ahead. That's the home of the uh, Atlanta Falcons training camp, by the way. 
it is the home Atlanta Falcons training camp, and our priest is known to do a couple masses there every once in a while. Uh, so one of the things that you know we were talking um, outside of the show is, you, but you guys aren't satisfied with sort of the status quo. Like, hey, we have a church, just come to mass, plug in. You guys have really, um, really been intentional about having an effective outreach evangelization and church for your parishioners. And one of the things that you guys did, and we don't have a whole lot of time to talk about it, but I think it's fascinating, is in a world that's full of programming uh, and churches that are full of programs, you guys pulled the plug on all of it uh, for 10,000 people and went to a parish-based idea of small groups for the whole parish. Dude, I love it. So tell me about it. Is it it going well? Is it effective? What? Yeah, so... We came to the realization, um, you know, we figured our mass attendance was about 3,500 to 4,000 people on a weekend over a couple different masses, and that we had 10,000 people that were, quote-unquote, on our roster. And we're going, where are these people that are supposed to be inside our church, let alone the people that are outside that we should be evangelizing to, right. that we're all called to go witness to? Right. And so we just, we, we stopped everything. We said, enough is enough. We need to, like, step back, take a deep breath, and realize how we need to, you know, where is God calling us, and are we being you know, uh, methodical about what we're doing. And so through Alpha, we adapted Alpha, which is a Kerygma-based program. Mm -hmm. We use that 11-week period of Alpha to stop everything that we're doing, uh, encourage everyone to go through Alpha, which is about 3,500 people. And um, so six days a week, there was people doing Alpha sessions. And uh, it's a Kerygma-based program that answers all kinds of questions about life. And in that 11 weeks, we looked at everything that we were doing as a parish and flipped it upside down. And we have an intentional discipleship model where people have different stops along what we call the way. And the whole focus on it is for people to go out and live out the Great Commission. Wow. That's fascinating. So it has been responsive. Are you seeing results, people, you know, getting back into their faith, getting connected with community and small groups and discipleship? Yeah, man. Uh, we just were in the final week of Alpha where we do our celebration dinners and we focus on like what's next and we're unrolling all these things to the parish. And just Alpha alone has been, you know, it's funny when you say, oh, someone's life has changed through this program. Everyone kind of goes, yeah, yeah, okay. But there are a lot of people that have gone through our Alpha program that were cultural Catholics. They, you know, checked their time card for Sunday Mass and, and that was it. And these people's lives have been changed through Alpha, which is amazing, which is really just a platform for people to encounter Christ through each other. Man, I, and, I love uh, it. In a very dynamic way. Yeah, and you guys really, um, I, I think for us as church, we, we can't ever be satisfied with status quo, that we have a world to reach, a people to reach. And uh, I think it's awesome that you guys shifted gears and said, God, what do you want to do here? And how can you do um, amazing things in our church through these people? And Rob, you, you guys are doing great. Uh, so I, I can't thank you enough for coming on. I'm going to have to have you back on because you, you rocked this interview. So thanks so much, bro. Oh, well, thank you. You know, it's uh, Thursday after the election. You could have anybody on the radio show today. You picked me. So uh, thank you. Amen. <laughs> and I'd love to come back on and talk more about it. And maybe you can promise me that maybe I can go out with you for First Circus one time. I mean, seriously, I, uh, I think I could do that with you. We'll have to see about that. You can, you can come. You can be our fall guy. I think you'd be a good fall guy. Oh, man. I want, I want to wear a suit. <laughs> All right, bro. Thanks so much. <laughs> Rob Montapere. It's the Paul George Show. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to the Paul George Show on Christ Our King Radio and Breadbox Media. Here's your host, Paul George. Welcome back to the show, Paul George. Studio, Casey, you've been quiet over there. I cannot believe that you're going to sell me out next week for a concert in Austin, Texas. I sure am. That's all right. I've got a, I got a producer lined up for you. He's a good friend. He knows what he's doing, and you're going to have a lot of fun. That's right. show's still going to be on, but uh, it's not going to be the same. It'll be different. Yeah. Uh, look, the the parameters are easy. I asked somebody to do it, and they're like, okay, so just be sarcastic, make fun of Paul. Got it. <laughs> That's the parameters of the job. Yeah, absolutely. So anyway, great interview with Rob uh, Monopair, thefirstcircus.com, um, at Rob Monopair. Uh, so I know your your mind's kind of rolling over there, Casey. Uh, you know, with with the show, but I actually could see you as one of the mascots. You think? I think so. What mascot would I be? You'd be that little monkey guy. <laughs> Paul has me speechless today, folks. <laughs> Casey know, the monkey. Yeah, you know secretly that's exactly who you want to be. So I, I I wouldn't be just a monkey though. Ball. I'd be a spider monkey. Yeah, exactly. That's your thing, spider monkey. So anyway, Casey, uh, how about let's go into our six-pack of questions. <laughs> six-pack of questions. How, how you like my new my new intro? That's hysterical. I've been asking for an intro for it, and, but that's so stereotypical. It's like the country music <laughs> with... <laughs> Popping, <laughs> popping the cap on Play, on the play you know more people bit. you know you know drink beer other than country people. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I love it. Yeah, well, until uh, until we get a sponsor for it, that's it. No, we. So, why can't we? We should be able to. I'm pretty sure we could. No, yeah, I it's got to happen. Here we go. All right. So, what is your mascot animal and name? My mascot animal and, and name. They usually it's like Buddy the Elf or Buddy the Bear. You know. Millie the monkey. Why is it always Buddy? It's an easy one. I I don't know. Like, why not just go with my name, George? George the giraffe. (laughs) I could see it. I'm tall. Uh, I mean, and if you put me on ice skates, even better. I'd be super tall. Nice. So, speaking of ice skates, so he, your guest, Rob, Rob, likes uh, hockey particularly. Right. Right. So, what is the most exciting sport for you to watch? Not to play. Most exciting to watch? Not golf. I love watching golf. If you want to take a nap. <laughs> Sunday afternoon, yeah. No, I love watching golf. But anyway, what's the most exciting <clears throat> sport to watch? I like playing baseball, but watching it a little hard. Most exciting um, <clears throat> sport to watch that I like. I mean, some exciting sports that I, I don't you know, necessarily follow, but probably football is most exciting. It, I, it's too bottle rockety <clears throat> for me. It's start and stop. Start right. stop. It's this male attention span. But yeah, ba- basketball is an ongoing game. If I were grew up in a soccer culture, I'd probably like soccer. But right, I like competitive games, like big games, so World Series games, you know, NBA final games, <clears throat> playoff games, things that matter, you know. So anyway, that, that's what I like. So have you ever refereed or umpired? Um, no, actually, and really? I think I would be horrible at it. Why? Because I am not a quick decision maker. Like, I would be like, uh, I don't know if that was a strike or not. <laughs> uh, give me a moment. Give me one minute. I got to process this thing. Instant replay in my head. And then think about it. 
okay, that was a strike. Like that would be me. <laughs> so could you handle um, just the people yelling at you and getting all up in your stuff? Yeah, I really wouldn't care, but I would be afraid that I would say something back. <laughs> I would say something back. You're out of here. Well, like there was this, there was a college coach. Yeah, he lost it. So one of his fans were screaming at him as he was walking to the tunnel at the end of the game. They lost, and I'm sure the fan had probably had it a little too much, uh, you know, and was yelling. You know, bad things at the coach. And the coach just yells back, get a job. You know, so he got reprimanded for just like opening his mouth, which he should have just put his head down and been quiet. But he just looked at the guys like, get a job. That would, you know, I would be afraid that that would be me. <laughs> nice. All right. Your next question, sir. Who's your favorite hockey player? Hockey player? Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, I grew up with Wayne Gretzky. So That's I, it. I, That's I know. the only hockey player I know. It's the only one you, you know. Right. Now, there is a great hockey movie. If people haven't seen it, it's the, um, you know, Miracle on Ice, right. a hockey team in 1980, I believe, that won the gold medal from Russia. The I don't... Soviet Union. Putin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, I didn't grow up around hockey. I grew up in the South. So yeah. I, I'm sure if I were to grow up up North, I probably would have liked it. I just never followed it's it or knew about it. not our thing. Yeah. But, all right, so I'm going to switch gears here. Okay. And now... For someone of your age, this is maybe a little odd question. Older but, than you. Yeah, but someone my age, this is something we joke about a lot. So have you ever had an existential crisis? Half serious question. Half. Okay, so explain to those listening what existential crisis means. So basically the conversation that you had with Rob, you know, you, you wake up one day or you're doing something and you, you just ask that question, like, what am I doing? Mm -hmm. Like, why am I here? Right. So why do you joke about this? It's sort of like the young millennials kind of like, I don't know what I'm doing with my life. Yeah, pretty a much. A lot of your friends are still living with their parents, uh, <laughs> yeah. have random jobs that they don't want to do. They think, you know, it, we just live in a state of existential depression, and we meme about it. Okay, so let me ask you a question back. In all seriousness, I've been thinking about this. Is uh, is this sort of a case, be honest, okay, uh, of idealism? Like, does the younger generation kind of struggle with this idealistic view of the world or what they should have or need or jobs or whatever? I mean, I think that's it. And there's a lot of speculation as to whether that's something particular to this generation and the way they grew up uh, or if if it's something that people just always go through and tend to grow out of. Um, I, I can say this in, in regards to my generation because we're so different that it's hard to peg us. And right. so many people try to. Yeah, you can. It's so aggravating. However, right. I will say that we are very authentic. Right. And because of that, we're much more open with the way that we feel yeah, absolutely. than I think past generations have been. So. I think that's why it manifests itself so much in this stuff. Yeah. You know, 15,000 people voted for a dead gorilla. Right. Yeah, I mean, because they just didn't care. Uh, but no, I, I think even like the idea of depression, like your generation talks about it openly. It, there's no stigma about it. Um, and I spend a lot of my time mentoring and coaching millennials. That's what, you know, mm -hmm. and um, this is what I'm finding out a lot is that, but when you get down through it, and I'm going to answer your question. When you get down to trying to stereotype different generations, um, here's it at the at the heart and root of what we all have. We all desire to have a purpose in life and to feel like that our life has meaning. And so a lot of times, no matter what age you're at, what generation you're at, you could be at a job or in a situation, you're like, what am I doing with my life? And I think this is where 
And I know this is where when God intersects our life, he gives us a greater purpose. So you might be in a cubicle right now listening to the show and thinking, what am I doing with my life? But God might want you to talk to the person next to you. Uh, and reach out to someone that you work with or someone in your family. So your purpose extends past identifying with your work. Mm-hmm. Okay, so when we identify with our work, then we begin uh, to uh, define ourselves by what we do instead of who we are. And I think your generation a lot, and, and mine included, to be honest with you, identifies uh, <clears throat> our, you know, gets our identity from what we do instead of who we are. Interesting. Now, if you noticed, I asked five questions. Right. So I actually do have a sixth question, and I write these down as you go through your interview. Yeah, so I don't, I'm going to show know. this to you to prove it to you. Number six is, how does one find purpose? All right, so I didn't know these these questions. Yeah, and I didn't just throw that out there. Like, I, I think we're on the same wavelength now. I right. mean, it, it's it's an interesting follow-up question to that. No, how, it's, how it, does one find purpose? It, it's it's a great question, and, um, you know, it's a big question. Maybe we can do a whole, sh- whole show on it. Um I'm writing a book, Casey, called uh, Rethink, um, Finding God and um, and Authentic Happiness. And the word rethink in the Greek uh, means conversion. Uh, and it's the process of rethinking our life. This is what happened when Rob was asking this question. This is the question that you asked that I asked was, what's my purpose? What am I doing? Am I happy? Am I fully fulfilled? Conversion is the process of rethinking our life. And where we find our purpose is when we begin to rethink our life through the lenses of the way God views us and the world. And we begin to connect with God's view for us, God's identity for us. And that's when we begin to understand that our purpose has greater meaning, that that our happiness isn't what we accomplish at the end of our life, how many treasures we have, how many trophies we have, um, you know, whatever the case may be, that our purpose extends past what the world can offer us. And if we don't find that deeper meaning, then we'll live unhappy. So I've, I've met and, and counseled with people who have materialistically everything they need and you could ever want in your life and things that I would love. Uh, but they're, and, they, and they look at me and like, I'm not happy. And I'm thinking, how can you not be happy? And it's because they haven't found a greater purpose for their life, a greater meaning. But the flip side, I've met many people with great means who find their purpose because they're so generous that they have faith. They, they, they find meaning in what God has given them and blessed them with. And for all of us, no matter what situation, no matter what generation, no matter what circumstance we're in, uh, God's got a purpose for us. And it's much greater than, you know, typing, uh, working. It's, it's much greater than what we do. Our purpose is, is what God built us to be on this planet. And I think it's important for us to take that, uh, you know, seriously and do it. So anyway, this has been a great show, man. Actually, the show's on iTunes. Uh, you can go to iTunes and subscribe to the show. You subscribe, can, subscribe. You can find it on paulgeorge.com. Uh, if you know any millennials out there that need some mentoring, I, I can help you with that as well. <laughs> maybe maybe your whole friend group, Casey. Uh, so thanks, bro. Thanks for uh, helping out with the show. And, and have fun next week in Austin, Texas. It's Paul George Show. Talk to you next week. God bless.